Mark 16, verses 1 to 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almost every Sunday that I am in the pulpit, I wear this necklace. It's a simple gold necklace engraved with an image of Mary Magdalene. And it was a gift from a friend who is now also a pastor. She gave it to me at the end of our time at Calvin Seminary. She wears one too, and what I love about this necklace is that it reminds me of Easter morning when Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene and called her to share the good news, thus sending a woman out to preach the gospel, the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Even if Mary didn't know what it all meant, it was she and the other women with her who relayed everything they had seen and heard at the tomb to the disciples. Or at least this is what they do in Luke's gospel, and in Matthew's gospel, and in John's gospel. Mark's gospel, on the other hand, has no such joyful proclamation. In fact, the ending of Mark's gospel is pretty unsatisfactory all the way around. It's awkward, it's abrupt, and it's grammatically clumsy. In the Greek, the last word is gar, which means because. The last word of Mark's gospel is a preposition. It's just not done. And the text ends with the women not proclaiming any good news, but fleeing the scene in fear, in trembling. The gospel ends in silence, which simply cannot be how a gospel ends. There has to be some sighting of the resurrected Jesus, some final word from Jesus, some indication that the women did in fact go and tell at least that's what a lot of people, including some ancient scribes, have thought. You'll notice in your Bible that there are 11 more verses after chapter eight, or verse 8, which include all of these things. Three appearances of Jesus to the disciples, 
to Mary, to the Emmaus travelers. And then a, a nice little verse at the end to tie everything up together with a bow. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. That's a much, much better ending to a gospel. But it's probably not the ending Mark wrote. The earliest manuscripts of Mark's gospel don't include these verses. Early commentators on Mark's gospel make no mention of these verses. The vocabulary in these verses isn't consistent with how Mark wrote. And so all the signs point to verses 9 to 20 being written by ancient scribes who were dissatisfied with Mark's ending and thought they would help a brother out. Only Mark didn't need anyone to help him out. Mark was a gifted and clever writer. Mark, also known as John Mark in the book of Acts, was the Apostle Peter's official scribe and interpreter. So his job was to write, to communicate. We can take it on pretty good authority then that Mark knew exactly what he was doing by ending his gospel in such a seemingly unsatisfactory way. Because we also have to remember that the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are written as accounts of the ministry of Jesus, but they also function kind of like really long sermons. They recount the events of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, but each Gospel does so from a particular angle, emphasizing certain events to communicate a particular underlying theme or message to the audience that they are writing to. Mark's gospel was probably written in the mid to late 50s AD, so about 20 or 25 years after the events in his gospel took place. So he and the early Christians he is writing to, they know how the story unfolds. They know that the woman did eventually tell the disciples who did eventually meet up with Jesus in Galilee. Mark isn't interested in simply recounting this history. He is communicating something by ending his gospel this way. The question is, what? Well, one of the underlying themes in Mark's gospel is that of motion. Things move in this gospel. Mark doesn't hang about places. This is a fast-paced story. Jesus is regularly on the move, going one place, returning from another, and Mark's favorite word is immediately. It occurs 35 times in his gospel, which is almost half of all the times the word appears in the entire New Testament. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes, and when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. There's a sense of urgency in Mark's gospel, a sense of urgency and mission. 
Jesus covers a lot of ground in his ministry, and he does so with purpose. So even in the resurrection, Jesus isn't hanging around. The women make their way to the tomb early on Sunday morning to anoint Jesus' body for burial, as was the custom. But they're not sure how they are going to access the body with a big rock covering the entrance to the tomb. Only when they arrive at the tomb, the stone isn't the problem. It's already been rolled away. And inside the tomb isn't the dead body of their savior, but a young man, very much alive, who says to them, don't be afraid. You're looking for Jesus, but he isn't here. Go, tell the disciples, Jesus is going on ahead of you to Galilee. Go catch up to him. The women can't find Jesus, not because they can't move the stone, but because Jesus isn't there anymore. Jesus doesn't wait around to celebrate with his friends and have a tea party. Jesus has work to do. Jesus has business to attend to, business he is calling the women, calling the disciples into. And he invites them to join him in doing that work in Galilee, which is simply a tremendous indication of Mark's skill as a writer and a theologian. Because Galilee is where everything starts in Mark's gospel. In chapter 1, verse 4, the very beginning, Mark writes, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Galilee is where Jesus begins his ministry where he calls the first disciples and begins to heal people and preaches the good news of the kingdom. But as we have seen over these last few weeks, Jesus' disciples never quite figured out what that good news really was. Jesus keeps telling his followers, this is who I am, this is what I must do, this is what the kingdom is about. But the disciples remain confused and uncertain and afraid to tell other people. And so at the end, on Friday, on that dark day, Judas betrays Jesus and Peter denies Jesus and the disciples desert Jesus. And even now, the women who have faithfully followed and cared for Jesus over the years keep silent. But Jesus does not give up on these people he loves. He invites them. He invites these confused, faithless followers to Galilee, to the place where it all started so that it might start Again, having now witnessed what Jesus was talking about, having now seen his death and seen his resurrection, 
Jesus invites his followers to rethink it all, to revisit the last years of Jesus' ministry with new understanding, and so to undertake ministry once more in this full knowledge of who Jesus is, of what he came to do, of what the kingdom of God is about, God's renewal of all things, victory over death itself. And maybe, maybe by leaving the women in silence at the end of the gospel, Mark is inviting us to now take up the story. Mark is saying, of course, the gospel can't end in silence. So you had better hurry up and go meet Jesus in Galilee. Go find the resurrected Lord and join him in his ministry of proclaiming good news, healing the sick, declaring victory over evil, renewing and restoring the earth. Go find Jesus. There is work to do. There is work to do because the gospel of Mark doesn't end in a neat little bow with everything right as rain in the world. The women flee in silence and in terror because fear and terror still exist in the world. Jesus is raised from the dead, but Pilate yet sits on his throne and guards still patrol the night and neighbors still fight each other and children still get sick and the streets are still full of those who have no place to call home. The song the choir just sang asks the question, do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? And we respond truthfully, we do. So when we come to Easter Sunday, it is so tempting to make this celebration, to make our celebration be simply about the the truth of salvation after death, to rejoice that at least there is something better than all of this coming our way. When the shadows of this life have gone, I'll fly away. Like a bird from these prison walls, I'll fly, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. But the resurrection is about so much more than the assurance of life after death. Jesus doesn't tell his disciples, don't be afraid, one day it will get better. He says, come. Come and meet me in Galilee. Because the new creation, the kingdom of God, is inaugurated, is here now. A new thing is being done now. The work of resurrection is now. And the work of resurrection, says N.T. Wright, is to bring the life of heaven in actual to to bring the life of heaven to birth in actual, physical, earthly reality. Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. 
That, after all, is what the Lord's Prayer is all about. This is the mission of God, the renewal of creation, the overcoming of death and decay, the knowledge of the glory and power and love and grace of God to be spread and known in every corner of the world. It is a mission that has already been accomplished in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The victory is won, and it is a mission that will finally and ultimately be fulfilled when Christ returns. And it is this mission that we are invited into. The missiologist and scholar Christopher Wright says, it's not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission, for God's mission. Which means that we do mission together as a church, but not only as a church, or through church, or on Sunday mornings when we gather, or as part of our small groups. We are, each of us, invited to find Jesus in Galilee, in the corners of creation where he is at work, in the neighborhoods that we inhabit, in the work that we take up, in the relationships that we cultivate. We are each invited to join Jesus in the work of resurrection, the work of justice and beauty and evangelism and hope and peace. We celebrate resurrection, and then we go. We go and we tell. We take up the story. And so I wear this necklace that reminds me of Jesus' resurrection appearance, mostly as a reminder that it is this good news that I am to preach week after week that this is the good news we are all called to proclaim, the good news that Jesus is on the move. We answer the world's hurting questions. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Because the one who is worthy has conquered the grave and his spirit moves among us. So we go. We go to City Hall, to the classroom, to the farm, to the brickyard. We get involved in city planning. We design beautiful library spaces. We host playgroups for kids of single moms. We plant wildflowers for the bees. We lobby against unjust laws. We go. We invite our kids' friends over after school so both his parents can work. We spend evenings with our neighbor down the hall so she isn't as lonely after the death of her spouse. We partner with other organizations who are fighting against discrimination. 
We paint, and we sculpt, and we write music, and we dance. We celebrate resurrection, and then we go. We go into the world and tell the good news of new life. We go into the world and do the work of resurrection. Because that is where Jesus already is. It's where he promised that he would be. Just as he told his disciples, as they made their way to the Mount of Olives on the night of his arrest, that after he had risen, he would meet them in Galilee. So the young man at the tomb says to the women, you are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. He is going ahead of you into Galilee, just as he told you. So go into Galilee to find Jesus and join him in the work of resurrection that he is doing there. Easter is only the beginning of the adventure. Would you pray with me? So holy God, help us to get up and go. Help us to take this good news out with us to all of the corners of your world, to the places where we live and work and gather Give us the, the courage to boldly proclaim the good news that you are doing a new thing. Even in the midst of dark shadows, even when we cannot always see it, give us the knowledge, bolster us today and each day with the truth that you have been victorious over death itself. There is nothing Nothing you cannot do. And so give us eyes to behold you, God, and hearts to perceive what we are seeing. And then give us bold lips to tell that the darkness might flee before these words of hope and these words of truth. Thank you, God. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for giving your son to save us, to save this world, to bring the kingdom of God near. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.